0: Indeed, the Lord is good, and it is good to sing the goodness of God. It is good to hear each other sing the goodness of God. Uh, It's a a great joy to be preaching to my church. So, thank you again, Justin, for the opportunity. And I just, I just love to hear the congregation singing. Uh, You sing well, and it's a, a great joy to be a part of this today. Today we're going to be finishing the book of Malachi. We've been going through the book of Malachi as as a church, and uh, we come to the very last part of the book of Malachi. So if you would, grab your Bible or your iPhone or whatever way you're going to be looking at God's Word and open to Malachi. It's the very last book in the Old Testament, so it might be easier to find the New Testament and then go back to Matthew, and then go a few pages back towards the front of the Bible, and you'll find the little book of Malachi. We'll be looking at chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 in just a moment. So I'll give you a moment to find that. Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. We'll be looking there. You may want to put the, the, the notes there to mark your place or whatever. It'll be just fine. Let's pray together. Father, may your word... Go deep into our hearts and change our thinking, change our attitudes, so that our words, so that our actions, so that our lives will be like you want them to be. Father, as we read, as we think about what you have said here, by the power of your spirit would you take these words and imprint them on our hearts and minds and change us change me by what you're saying here thank you that you do that thank you that you've given us your word let us listen to it intently this morning through jesus amen now if you are A student, you have permission to doze off this morning. (laughs) They had an incredible weekend, a D-Now weekend, where they uh, worshipped and played, I mean, all hours of the night and had a great time. And some of them are a little tired this morning. So uh, parents, give them a little grace this morning. uh, And uh, if they doze off, now now kids don't snore, but other than that, you know, uh, uh, truly. They had a great time. I'm glad they were a part of it. And Brenton, and those of you who helped with that, oh, thank you so much for that. That's such an important part of our ministry, important part of the the student ministry here. So thank you very much for doing that. And kids, thank you for being a part of that. And may God take your experiences and, and change your life and other lives with that. Now, to Malachi, more than likely, each of us have some kind of memory of uh, or perhaps not a memory, if you're still at home with your parents, you know what this is right away. It's not a memory, it maybe happened this morning. But it's when you know that your parent or parents were serious about obedience. It was when they said, in certain words, hey, it's time to obey. Now, came in a lot of different ways, you know, maybe a, a facial expression, maybe those actual words. For me, for my dad, when he wanted to make very sure that he, you know, it's time to obey Calvin... He used a little phrase that was kind of strange. Uh, To this day, I don't know the the background of it or why he said it, but I knew what it meant when he said it. It normally happened when uh, I would be taking his tools, and he was so wonderful. He let me use his uh, his hammers, his saw, He even let me use his power tools way too early. But at any rate, I'm out in the backyard making something, you know, a fort or something or other, and I get done. Well, I go back in the house and leave his tools outside. I I might need them tomorrow, you know, kind of thing. Well, That's a no-no with my dad. Don't leave the tools outside, especially if it's raining, you know. Well, he comes home from work. It's been raining. His tools are out in the backyard. He goes out, comes in with a hammer or a saw or whatever, and says, Calvin, if I told you once, I told you 14 times. Now, translated, Calvin, it's time to obey. Don't leave my tools out in the rain. Now, you've probably had something like that in your experience. Uh, Perhaps it wasn't as pleasant as that. Uh, I'm not even sure what that means, but maybe there was something that your parents, with their face or their words, you knew it was time to obey. Now, for some of us, that may be a harsh memory, and that's unfortunate, and that's, that's, that's sad. But you knew it was time to obey. They were serious about it. And in a sense, what God is doing this morning at the end of Malachi, what God does through Malachi, it's like Malachi says, I want to summarize what I've been saying to you. And basically it's, hey, it's time to obey God. We need to do this. He's been confronting us all along. Hey, you're chosen. You need to to have a respect for God, an awe for God that affects all of your life. You need to have a right relationship with people. You need to have a right relationship with your money and your finances. You need to have a on and on Malachi has been challenging us return to God obey God do what I want you to do this is for your good and he comes down and he says it's time to obey God now in order for this this passage to sink deep into us and to make some changes I I want us to take a moment right now and just ask the spirit of God to remind us, to, uh, to bring to our thoughts, to, uh, to somehow get something in front of each one of us individually, something that we know that we need to obey God in. It might be something that you know God wants you to do. Heal a relationship, go and talk to someone, something specific like that. Or something here at the church that you need to be involved with. Maybe it's become a member of this church and you just haven't got around to it kind of thing. But there's but there's something that you know God wants you to do. Maybe it's an area of your thought life. You need to change the way you think about some people or some things. Maybe it's a a, a habit that you know you've got to break or maybe a good habit that you need to start. And, and you've just been saying, God, I, I know I need to do that. I know God, I, I know. God. It's time to obey. So one, there's two things that I'm, I'm thinking about when it comes to that, and, and as I've been praying through this sermon and working through this sermon, these two, th- two things have come to me. One is kind of little. It's not that big of a deal. And yet any act of obedience is a big deal. And For me, when I you know, go to my computer to check my email or get to work on a sermon or whatever, I'll punch and get going there. And all these little different things will pop up. Uh, you know, these little uh, pop-ups or whatever you call them. And, and you can scroll through they're fascinating. The way they, you know, they, they present them, you just have to look at them. By the way, do you know that there's a guy in East Texas that raises kangaroos? I can tell you that. Yeah. And uh, I also can tell you about a destroyer that they found somewhere in the Pacific recently here. Yeah, really important stuff that I need to know. But God has been saying to me, Calvin, don't wait, come on, don't waste time doing that. That's crazy. Don't, And Okay, God, I'm just going to go to the email and stay with the email and not look at it. The silly stuff comes up, I'm just going to X and get rid of it, okay? Well, that's one area that God's been dealing with me in, but a much more serious one. Uh, In the area of relationships, uh, I have someone who's close to me. It's not Jan. Me and Jan are doing fine, okay? But but someone that's close to me, I uh, haven't had a good relationship with the past few years. And uh, I need to change. I've been kind of putting it off saying, well, it's that person's fault. I mean, if they would change, then everything would be all right. But God's been convicting me, I need to change some things in me. And so as I look at this sermon, as I look at this passage, and it's kind of a strange as I listen to my sermon, okay? Uh, As I look at this passage, God is dealing with me in these areas and many more. But at least those two, and so... So just now, I I just want us to pause right now and and pray. Father, may your spirit bring to mind areas where I need to change. Just, Just say that prayer silently before the Father. God, where? What do I need to change? Spirit of God, by your power, help us to take this passage and and let us be motivated to obey. We need to, Father. It's time to obey you, God. Help us to do it. Through Jesus, amen. Now, let's look at how God says, if I told you once, I told you 14 times. He doesn't say it that way. He says it much more eloquently in a much better way. So let's look at it malachi chapter 4 verse 4 remember the law of moses my servant even the statutes and the ordinances which i commanded him in horeb for all of israel so he says remember now obviously he's not just saying okay now remember and if you remember them, then that's all i want you to do just remember you don't have to obey them. just remember them. no obviously he doesn't mean that he means remember them and do them uh, Get them in your mind, and, and then live them out. Remember to obey these things. In a sense, he's saying, hey, it's time to obey God. Remember that you need to do these things. But it's interesting. He, he doesn't just say, remember the law. He says, remember the law of Moses. And then he also says that I commanded you through him at Horeb. Another Horeb is another name for Sinai, Mount Sinai, Exodus, coming out of Egypt, all those things. That's what he's referring to. So he's calling the Israelites to think back to what they remember reading in the Law of Moses. So let's look at just a little piece of that in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Listen to what God says through Moses to the Israelites about the Law. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering in to possess it. Moses was telling the Israelites, God has given you these commands for your good. And when you obey them, when you follow them, you will experience the Lord's abundant blessings. So God comes to us and says, it's time to obey the Lord because it's good for you. It's the right thing to do. And that's what God's commands are. They are for our good. Now, are they restrictions? Yes, they are restrictions. But they're restrictions for our good. Now, I want to look at two different roads, okay? Let's look at the first road. It's got a bridge on it. Okay, you go across that bridge. You know you can go pretty fast because it's got railings. You don't have to worry about going off to the side or anything like that. Now have that in your mind, and compare that with this road. All right, I've been on a road. Maybe not exact. Maybe it is that exact road. up. That's the one that goes across the, the Rocky Mountain National Park. I've been on that thing, and tell you what, there aren't any rails, and I'm going. Don't they realize that I mean, you don't just pull off the shoulder there. I mean, you're gone. I didn't drive very fast on that road. (laughs) Now, just imagine with me the flyover there from Interstate 45 to 242, you know the one I'm talking about? Imagine what that would be like without any guardrails. Nobody would drive on it. But have you ever bounced against one of them? No, no i drive across that thing, you know, hopefully at the speed limit. I'm not worried about it, but those are restrictions. But they're restrictions for our good. That's why God gave us these commandments. It's for our good. Now, it's easy to to, to think about this a little bit, to expand the, the concept a little bit. The concept of don't commit adultery, that's a restriction. So it's God saying, I don't want you to to, uh, uh, commit adultery because I don't want you to have fun. I don't want you to do stuff that you want to do outside of marriage. And and really, this is just my command. Look, if I told you once, I told you 14 times, this is what I want you to do. Now that's that. No, God is saying, I want you to have a wonderful marriage. I want you to have a wonderful relationship with your wife, with your husband. This is for your good. Some of the most painful times I've spent as a pastor in a counseling situation is when someone comes in and they're confessing an affair. No one has come in and said, my husband had an affair. I'm so glad he did. It's just made everything wonderful. They don't do that. There's tears. There's pain. There's there's agony. There's years of lack of trust and on and on and on. Why does God say don't commit adultery? For our good. Not because he wants to keep us from enjoying life? Just the opposite. He wants us to fully enjoy life. So he says, here's some restrictions. This is what I want you to do. Now, New Testament filled with commands, good commands. One of them is to forgive each other. And when we forgive each other, all kinds of good things can come out of that. And when we don't, oh my, one of our family legends is, has to do with mashed potatoes. My son, one day said, the mashed potatoes are too cold. Now, I was in a bad mood already. I, I it, was, it was not a good day for me. I was being self-centered. I mean, it, it, I, I was. I was just, no, it wasn't a good time. And so when my son said, mashed potatoes aren't warm or aren't hot enough, you will not believe what this pastor did. <laughs> I grabbed the plate, small plate. I literally grabbed his mashed potatoes with my hand put them on the plate, put them in the microwave for about a minute, took them out, grabbed them. There, are they hot enough? (laughs) My kids were, Jan was just like, who is this person? (laughs) They all left. (laughs) I'm sitting there with, you know, table full of plates, and I'm just, oh, I was so ashamed. And, okay, family meeting. Come on, get a living room. Guys, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. I'm so ashamed. Please forgive me. Okay, Dad, we forgive you. To this day, we laugh about it. <laughs> to this day, we might sit down and, and somebody will say, John, your potato's hot enough. And we'll laugh about it. But think about the tragedy that would be there if we never forgave each other. If I didn't say I'm sorry and if they didn't forgive me, that bitterness could have swollen up into all kinds of difficulties. You see, God said, here's the restrictions. I want you to forgive each other. Why? Because you like doing it? No, because it's good for you. It's right for you. God gave us his commandments because it's good for us. It's time to obey God because it's good for us. So remember the law of Moses. Remember that the law of Moses, remember God's law is good for us. And whatever it is that God is dealing with you this morning in the area of obedience, oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, obey God. Calvin, obey God, because it's good for us. Let's look at the next verse here. Here's another part of his motivating us, encouraging us to obey him. And now, in these next couple of verses, there's a couple of things that we, we need to kind of pause. You'll notice he's going to talk about judgment. Uh, In verse 5, and he's going to come back to it again in verse 6. So, we're going to talk about that judgment in just a little bit. So, as we read over it, I'm not ignoring it. We're just going to pick it up in just a little bit. So, I wanted to let you know that. Just look at verses 5 with me. Behold, I am going to send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers so that I will come, I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So behold, I'm going to send to you Elijah. Now Malachi, Elijah lived about a couple of hundred years before you. He was a prophet. He was kind of the, the, the big name prophet, you might say. He, there's a lot about him and, and back in the Old Testament, all the things that he did. So, so Malachi, is he going to come back? Well, who, who is this? Well, in the New Testament, we, Elijah, the name pops up quite a bit. Some people said that John the Baptist was Elijah. And John the Baptist said, no, I'm not Elijah. And then Jesus comes along and says, John the Baptist is Elijah. Well, wait, is he? or isn't? Wait, I thought he was John the Baptist, not Elijah. Well, what's going on here? And then we had Jesus on a mountain one time. Moses and Elijah appeared to him. Is that what it's talking about here? In the book of Revelation, we got these two witnesses that people say one of them is Elijah. Well, what what do you mean, Malachi, that I'm going to send, what do you mean, Lord, that you're going to send Elijah to us? Well, I I think what he's saying is not so much that he's going to send a reincarnated, if you will, Elijah, but rather he's going to send an Elijah type of prophet or an Elijah type of experience or an Elijah type of confrontation, if you will. What is Elijah like? Listen to how Elijah confronted the children of Israel. This is when they were trying to say, are we going to follow Baal, who was a fertility, terrible, false god, or are you going to follow God? Which one are you going to follow? And Elijah comes along and says to the children of Israel, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. It was time for them to obey God, but they were saying, no, we're going to wait. And by waiting, they were disobeying. But Elijah came along and said, time to obey God. What are you going to do? God sends us people. God sends us songs. God sends us experiences, some kind of event that in a sense is saying to us, you're going to obey or aren't you? You're going to follow God or aren't you? He's encouraging us, not in a a mean kind of, you'd better do this or not. No, it's rather, hey, what do you want to do? Want to follow God or don't you? This past week, or actually it was the week before last, a friend of mine was staying with us for a few days He's a pastor up in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. So if you're ever in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, let me know. I'll be happy to tell you. The guy's a good church to go to. But he was staying with us, and he's a pastor up there. He's also a former student of mine and a good friend. And as he was with me last week, he was preparing his sermon for when he went back up to his church. And I was working on this sermon, so we were talked about, hey, how are you going to preach this, and what's this passage, and such like that. So I shared with him where I was in my development of this, of this sermon so far and he said to me now calvin you taught me that when you preach you need to apply the sermon to yourself first so how are you applying this to yourself <laughs> oh okay uh, you're the student i'm the well okay uh, no t- you know i i, I hey how, how am i applying this and god began dealing with me about that relationship i told you about at the beginning and Jeremy was this guy's name. Jeremy was Elijah to me. Hey, where is God dealing with you? What is he dealing with you about? And God began to, to show me some areas that I need to change in my thinking and my attitude and my words and the amount of time. That, and, and, and God has been working with me. He's not finished with it yet. It's not like, hey, this is all done. Everything's fine. I've obeyed God fully. I got it done. No, no, no. This is a process I'm going through. I'm still working on it. But I'm trying to say that Jeremy was Elijah to me. Sometimes Elijah comes in the form of a preacher. Many times. It's part of our role. Part of what Justin and I are supposed to be doing is that confrontation. But I think many other times it's through a friend. Maybe through a song that you hear on the radio. Maybe through some event that happens to you. An illness. Uh, when you lose your temper and you throw the mashed potatoes back down in front of your son, you go, oh, that was an Elijah experience. Realized something was wrong. So God says it's time to obey, and he gives us these Elijah experiences and people to encourage us. Come on. Who are you going to obey? Are you going to obey God? Or are you going to obey culture? Are you going to obey God? Or are you going to obey your own fleshy desires? Are you going to obey God? Or are you going to uh, uh, obey culture and what they tell you to do? Who are you going to obey? It's time to obey the Lord. Now, very interesting, this, this verse here, where it talks about children and fathers coming back together and stuff like that. What in, what in the world is that? Well, The way this translation has it, it's when Elijah comes, he's going to heal these horizontal relationships. And the Hebrew language, they will say things in a kind of multiple kind of ways. And when they say children and fathers and fathers and children, they're not so much trying to say, now look, it's just children and just fathers. That's the only relationship I'm talking about. No, it really is saying, hey, children to fathers, fathers to children, everybody, all relationships. So he's saying that, when Elijah comes and we get things right between us and God, that this will be okay too. The horizontal things will be right. But it's very interesting. As I was reading this, I came across another translation. And it's a translation that uh, the people that did it, uh, I went to school where they, they teach and they work diligently at translating accurately the, the scriptures as, as, as much as they possibly can. And this translation looks at it a little differently. It has to do with the word, how you translate the word to. He will return the hearts of the fathers to the children. That little word to can also be translated with. And so we end up with this bit of a a little different translation. He will encourage the fathers and their children to return to me. So it's the fathers and the children together. Everyone together will be returning to God. God so then I will come, so that I will not come and strike the earth with judgment. So the focus there is not on the horizontal relationship, it's on the vertical relationship, which fits in beautifully with the whole flow of the book of Malachi, is that we need to return to God. But either way, either translation, it basically is the same thing, because when your relationship to God is right, your relationship to each other becomes right, or has the potential to become right. But this is what comes first, and then this. So the the emphasis is, I want you to return to me. I want you to return to God, and I'm going to encourage you to do that. I'm going to come along and say, hey, who are you going to serve? I'm going to come along and say, it's time to obey the Lord. God is doing that in our midst this morning. He's coming and individually, not through this preacher, but, but through his word, saying to each one of us, saying to me as well, Calvin, it's time to obey the Lord. Now, one more thing he has in this encouragement, this thing of judgment, you saw it there in, in verse 5, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and then then. I want this to happen. I want people to return to God, lest I come so that I won't come and smite the land with a curse. There is a judgment day coming. Now, what judgment day is he talking about here? Oh, my, a whole lot of different ideas about which one. Is it the one when... uh, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed about three or four hundred years after this. I mean, when it's completely destroyed again, is that what he's talking about? Or is he talking about that, that final day when God says, hey, this physical earth, we're done with this thing. We're going to end this thing right here, big judgment day. Then, is that what he's talking about? Or is he talking about maybe how God brings consequences into our lives and the judgment day is, 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 is we're living, in, is we, we live through it even right now. Or is it maybe death. When we die and we stand before God, which judgment is he talking about? Well, in a sense, he's talking about all of them. There is a judgment day coming. Now, we understand this. We experience this. If you were in the habit of driving 10, 15 miles an hour over the speed limit, there will be a judgment day. It maybe hadn't come yet. Maybe it has come. (laughs) But do you understand that? There are consequences to when we disobey. So, too, with God. He says you need to know that judgment is coming, and when we know that judgment is coming, we act differently. First time I learned this, or the first time I remember learning this is when I was in third grade. Back when I was in third grade, boy, it was the baby boomer generation. Every elementary school was overflowing with kids. In our third grade class, it was overflowed. They had to put us out in a temporary building out behind the other buildings. We called them the shacks, And we were out there in this temporary building, and they built these walkways, covered walkways, out to the shacks. Now, we third graders figured something out. I don't know how we did it as third graders, but we did. We figured out that this walkway, the way it was situated, if you looked out the window of their third grade shack, you could see this walkway, and you could see the steps that led up to the main building. But the walkway is configured in such a way that you could see the steps, but you couldn't really see the door or who was coming down the steps, but you could see their feet. And the person coming down the steps couldn't see down the walkway because the walkway kind of covered it. That meant that when Miss Ott went into the office back then, she just left us, that wouldn't happen today, but she just left us, went into the office, when she came back, if you looked out the window just right, you could see her feet before she could see you. We had a fun program set up. When she left, now students, behave yourself. You need to fill the, you know, this arithmetic page out or whatever it was. You know, okay, all right, Miss hot. we'll do that, you know. So she leaves, closes the door. Somebody looks out the window. Okay, she's in. All right. man we started doing whatever we want to do. All right, okay, you know, keep the lookout. We had a lookout guy every time, you know. Oh, she's coming, you know, give me everything back in order again. Oh yes, oh yes, Miss we're having our oh, class, you're doing so well. All right. Had this system worked out great until. I remember his name, Paul Berryman. Paul Berryman was the lookout that day. Okay? So miss Ott leaves, all right? And we start, you know, having you know, breaking crayoles and fast and throwing across, you know, all kinds of stuff that third graders do. And uh so she goes, Paul goes out of the window looking okay. He's looking at that kind of thing. He's looking, and then she's coming. So, hey, she's coming, but he gets so excited, he falls out of the window. That was the end of that. (laughs) But judgment day comes. Now, that's a funny story, and we laugh about it. But God's judgment day is not funny. And it's not something to laugh at. But it's something that's coming. And this side of death, this side of those big judgment days that are off in the future, it's his disciplining hand. That relationship that I talked about that I'm struggling with, The past few years, it's not been a happy time. That's part of God's judgment on me because I've not obeyed him. And and, and I'm experiencing some of his judgment even now because of that. Now, ultimately, when we stand before God and he judges us for all of our sins, those sins have to be paid for. And there's only two choices. Either you're going to have to pay for them Or are you going to say, Jesus has paid for them for me? That's the only two options. And so eternally, when we stand in that eternal judgment day, we need to be sure that we've trusted Jesus as our Savior, that we have accepted His gift of forgiveness. And all my friends, oh, if you haven't done that, oh, accept His gift of forgiveness even right this moment. He offers it to you. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. It's not like the sins just, oh, God says, oh, you got some sins? We'll just pretend they never happened. No. He's not, he's not an unjust God. Your sins must be paid for. My sins must be paid for, either by me or by Jesus. The choice is yours. It's interesting. The disciples one time said, "God, Jesus, we want to do the works of God. We want to obey you. How do you do that? And Jesus responded, believe on him whom I sent maybe maybe the thing that's working in your heart this morning Matt, it's about it's time to obey God maybe it's time to trust God as your savior to trust Jesus as your savior do that today oh do, it's for your good it's for your good and those of us who have done that it's not like the consequences of sin go away they're still there. judgment day still comes for us so it's time to obey God, my friends, because judgment day does come. So back to that thought, that action, that thing that God is dealing with you in. God's come along this morning and said to me, to said to each one of us, it's time to obey me. What, what are you waiting for? Who are you going to obey? Are you going to obey your flesh? Are you going to obey others? Or are you going to obey God? It's time to obey God. But God doesn't want us doing this by ourselves. That's why He gave us the body of Christ. That's why He gave us each other, so that we can find strength from each other. We can pray for each other. We can, can, can support each other. We can struggle with each other. We can, can identify with each other. We can say, I know what it's like to have a relationship that's hard to, to mend. And you can encourage me. I can encourage you. And we do this, a lot of it, by prayer. Now, Tuesday night, we're going to have a, a special prayer time here. I'm looking forward to it. Justin kind of did an audible call last Sunday morning. and said, hey, we're going to have this. Who wants to come? Raise hands. Okay, we're going to do it. I'm looking forward to it. But I I think we need to do that this morning. I think there's some of us this morning that desperately need to hear someone pray our name out loud and say, Lord, would you help Calvin with this relationship? I need to hear that. You need to hear that. And so, by God's grace, I I want us to enter into a time of praying for each other. A lot of different ways we could do it, but let's try it this way. Just a second, the the worship team's going to come back up here and going to be playing and singing very quietly. We'll be standing, and I want to encourage you to to go to someone and say, would you pray for me? And you don't need to be specific about, hey, would you pray for me about this particular sin I'm struggling with? If you want to, you surely can, but, but just go to them and say, would you pray for me? That person will simply say, Lord, would you please help, whatever your name is, with this area of obedience? Maybe there'll be some folks standing down here at the front. Maybe you want to come down and have them pray for you. But maybe there's someone else in the congregation, someone you're sitting next to even, that you would go to and say, hey, would you pray for me? And and they could just say a very quick, simple prayer. Would you help my friend, Bill, Bob, whatever, with this area, God? I just lift them up to you. There's something about praying for each other that makes a big difference. I need it. I need it. In the first service, the very first thing I did when I got through preaching, Justin was down here, is I came down and I asked Justin to pray for me about that relationship that I mentioned, and he did. I want to encourage you to let someone pray for you. You know, sometimes I'm hesitant to ask people to pray for me because of my stinking pride. But oh, when they do pray for me, Oh, makes a difference. Let's stand together. As God moves in your heart, come and have someone pray for you. There's going to be some folks down the front, but even even other people in the congregation. This is a time for you to simply go and ask, pray for me. And we'll let God lead during this time. After a few moments, Blake will, will close us out. This is the time for us to hear our name prayed for, to hear us being prayed for. So you come. We'll be standing here waiting for you. You come and pray. Blake, lead us.